Do you reckon you're paying too much at the supermarket? The weekly supermarket shop probably fills most of us with dread. But last year between us we spent more than 22 billion dollars at supermarkets and grocery stores. That's more money than we earned from dairy exports. But our supermarket duopoly is in for a shake-up. The government has put New Zealand supermarkets on notice. It's determined to break up the duopoly in the grocery market and to reduce the bill for your weekly shop. How did we get to this point? The Commerce Commission report found New Zealand grocery prices appear high compared to international standards and suppliers suffer from a major power imbalance. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail, the Commerce Commission's looked into it and the government says it lacked. But how did New Zealand end up with a supermarket sector dominated by just two big players? And will breaking it up actually make any difference to what we're paying for groceries at the checkout? Why do people get so hit up about prices at the supermarket? Why do we care so much? Well, I guess it's because it's unavoidable, right? Everyone's everyone's got a shop. John Duffy is the chief executive of Consumer New Zealand. And for most people, the supermarket is the place you've got to go to. Um, you know, there are places around New Zealand where there is no other alternative than to head to your local supermarket. And sometimes there's only one supermarket, so, you know, it's a regional monopoly for that supermarket brand. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things that spring to mind. Firstly, people resent feeling like they're being ripped off when it comes to food prices. And secondly, particularly when it comes to homegrown produce, and I'm thinking, you know, milk, cheese, that sort of thing, when people see, you know, the eye-watering cost of, of those products, people, I don't know, feel a little bit of resentment that we're we're a land that produces so much dairy, yet we're paying so much for those products. Last year, the Fair Go program sent TVNZ's overseas correspondents out to pick up some basic groceries. Two litres of milk. $3.54 here, same as in the States, roughly. And Australia, Struth, $2.48. And that just leaves our lad in London. And that cost £1.09p, so just over $2 New Zealand for a two-litre milk. It's important to separate the dairy question, which is New Zealand choosing to trade on a global market and New Zealanders paying the same prices as consumers overseas versus just how generally uh, more expensive our groceries are in New Zealand for other types of products that aren't involved in you know, um, international trade, like products that are sold through Fonterra, for example. And that's down to, um, as the Commerce Commission has recently concluded in its market study, down to a lack of competition in our supermarket sector. We've got one of the most concentrated grocery markets in the world. And our export market is huge, and that can really push up prices at home too. Is it as simple as that? We're paying more for the basics than people in the UK or Australia because we've got the supermarket duopoly? It's one of the main factors, so not not the only factor. I mean, we need to be realistic here. We are when we're importing products, we're a, a small market at the end of the world, so it costs money to get products here, but. Um, we do produce a lot ourselves that is sold domestically. There's a there's a balance to be struck there. But the yeah, the lack of competition, the profits of the supermarkets, 
um, are, are key factors in why we pay more than other countries for our groceries. But it wasn't always like this. It's probably useful to start at the beginning of the end is a good way of putting it, which is the last of a long line of mergers and acquisitions that occurred through the 80s and 90s. And um, the last one, the last brand left standing that wasn't in the current duopoly was Food Town. These are the hands of a Food Town butcher. Despite our meat being a cut above the rest, our size is such that the price to you is often well below our opposition's best. Listeners uh, that are my age will, will remember Food Town, and they'll probably remember when there was Big Fresh. At Big Fresh, customers discover country quality, country freshness, and genuine value for money. And there was right price and price chopper. Small town anecdote for you. Growing up in fielding in the 90s and early 2000s, there was a right price, a price chopper, and a new world. All sorts of other brands out there in the supermarket industry. And when, you know, brands like Foursquare were, were independently owned. Foursquare, Foursquare, come on in. We know how you feel. Come on in. And... Over the years, what is now the duopoly, chipped away at that and acquired and merged. And eventually, uh, in the early 2000s, the last brand standing was Food Town. They, um, the company that is now Woolworths, which was uh, called Progressives at the time, Progressive Enterprises, applied to the Commerce Commission to purchase Food Town. That was, well, it's quite a long and convoluted story, but it was initially approved and then then it wasn't, and it, then it went to court. It was peeled, and it went back and forth through the courts, but eventually um, the merger went to head, and that was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the status quo, which is New Zealand being served, its grocery sector being served by a duopoly. Find savings down every aisle at New World. Get great prices that last with everyday value. Our national supermarket is Pack and Save. Proudly New Zealand owned and operated. Over 300,000 Kiwis shop at Countdown every day. And over the last 20 years, we've seen those businesses consolidate and consolidate and vertically integrate, which means they've bought into the wholesale chain as well. So they now are fully, fully vertically integrated and in some instances are even supplying themselves through owning fishing fleets and things like that. So right from, you know, the moment a fish is caught through to the moment it is scanned at the checkout, that's fully owned in one case by one entity and you know when you own the entire supply chain it makes it a lot easier to control the prices that are charged through that supply chain and that's what we end up wearing at um, the supermarket checkout. But we have got competition right it is a duopoly we've got two big players competing with each other why isn't that enough? Well the Commerce Commission has described competition as is I'm paraphrasing here, but but muted. There are various activities that the Commerce Commission's highlighted in its market study that has made it difficult for real competition to take root. I mean, it may it may they may have competed uh, more vigorously early on, but but what we see now is through supply chains, through the requirements that are placed on suppliers. You know, it's it's very rare to see a special at one supermarket chain and then not see it repeated you know, very in very short order at, at the other supermarket chain, right? So to say that the 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 offerings are really differentiated and that, that they're competing on different services um, is 
you know, it's hard to reach that bar in New Zealand. So let's move on and turn to the cost of living. The 2020 election campaign. Run through a quick fire round of questions to see how in touch both of these leaders are with some basic household items. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Just in return, how much is two litres of milk at the supermarket? About uh, $4.50. Nah, $6. Uh, at both New World and Countdown today, it was $3.40. Oh, oh good deal. $3? Two litres? Two litres. Labour won, and within a few weeks, the Commerce Commission was tasked. You know that market studies allow us to look at the structure of the market and the role that it may play in food prices in New Zealand. You'll often hear people making a comparison between, for instance, prices in New Zealand for, versus, say, Australia. Uh, our view is that it is time that we inquired and used the Commerce Commission to look into whether or not our market is operating as it should, particularly given it's being identified as one of the more concentrated uh, markets in the world. In summary, they were asked to look at the state of competition in the market. So the rationale behind that is when competition is working effectively, we see businesses well competing, as the name would suggest, but we see... Uh, competition on price, we see competition on service, we see good things like innovation in the market and so on. And so when competition is muted or not working well, uh, there is often an absence or a low level of those good positive factors. The Commerce Commission, we've given them extra powers to really go in and properly investigate behaviours. We did it uh, with fuel, now we're doing it with our supermarkets, and we will act on what they find. There are ways that we can ensure that consumers are in a competitive environment and that they're getting best bang for buck. You'll guarantee that prices will come down? I'll, I'll guarantee that we'll act on what the Commerce Commission presents, but let's let them go and do the job, use the powers they have to fully investigate what's going on. The Commerce Commission's final 600-page report on the supermarket sector was released in March, and it came back with some pretty stark findings. Firstly, the, the conclusion that competition is not working well for consumers. The shelves may be full, but the Commerce Commission says supermarket choice is in short supply. I don't think we've had a fair go for a long time. What we need is some real competition, some honest-to-God competition like they've got overseas. The background to that is, up until this point, Advocates like Consumer NZ and, and others had been coming up going, something's funky in this market. We don't know quite what it is, but we think it's the, the structure of the market and, and, and the behaviour of the duopolists. But we need you know, the, the resource thrown at it to actually identify what the issues are. And the Commerce Commission's analysis uh, pinpointed exactly where the issues are. So the, the headline was competition wasn't working well for consumers. And then they were able to drill down into the profitability of the supermarkets and, you know, drew up the conclusion that um, has, has made headlines pretty regularly that, that the supermarkets are earning a million dollars in excess profits every day. And it's estimated the two main players are making about $430 million in excess profits a year. And you, our listeners, keep asking why the price of the grocery shop is sky high and seemingly going higher. But then the the market study went much further than that and looked at, well, okay, what, what are the factors that are contributing to this? And it's a long list, but some of the headlines are the restrictive nature of, of things like land covenants. So that means we're I don't know, uh, a new world goes into a shopping mall somewhere, the operator of that new world can ne negotiate with the landlords to make sure that no other supermarkets can enter into, you know, a controlled geographic area around that. So the Commerce Commission identified that as a barrier to entry for 
new entrants coming into the market. And that, and many of the other recommendations and conclusions from the report are directed at, you know, what are the things we need to do as a country to open this market up so that new entrants feel comfortable entering the market? Because at the moment, we've gone kind of 20 years without any real competitor entering the market to take on the duopolists. Are the two big supermarket chains, are they actually breaking any rules here or is this a case of this is a sector where it hasn't been regulated and they're just taking advantage of that? It's hard to say at this stage. So the Commerce Commission made a number of references in its final report to matters that are being looked at further by the enforcement arms of the Commerce Commission. So that could mean Fair Trading Act breaches, which are no stra- the supermarkets are no stranger to prosecutions under the Fair Trading Act for you know misleading pricing and things like that, or misleading advertising. Um, but also under the Commerce Act, it could mean that the Commission has detected anti-competitive behaviour um, within within the sector that it wants to look at further. But we won't know. Um, about that until such time as any investigation, if there is one, is completed. What's been the response of retailers to the market study and the Commerce Commission's findings? Well, in, in very recent times, there's been some quite positive noises coming out of the supermarket sector. And, you know, it could be that it has dawned on the sector that actually this is real, this isn't going away, moves from the government are uh, concrete enough to make them go, all right, well, we, we're probably not going to get away with this for much longer, so we should cooperate. And, and that's, that's great, actually, because it means we've got consumers wanting lower prices and better service. We've got suppliers keen for better agreements and a better ability to negotiate with, with supermarkets. And we've got supermarkets on board saying, hey, we recognise the issues and we're willing to change. So we're all lined up ready to go we just need to deliver on it um, so so that's really good we've also seen in reaction in my opinion in reaction to what is a bit of a public relations disaster around high profitability high food prices and you know cost of living hitting the average New Zealand consumer really really hard we've seen the supermarkets come out and proactively make adjustments to their prices so on the foodstuff side um, they've called it uh, price rollback. We recognise that this has been the most challenging a time for many households with the inflation of the prices on many things. So at Foodstuffs what we are doing is we've selected a trolley of 110 items that are most commonly bought by our customers and we're going to roll back the prices on those items to 2021, to a year ago. And on the Woolworths side there, they've called it a, um, a price freeze. Countdown says it's identified an array of winter staples, including diced tomatoes, butter, cheese, sugar, flour and shaved ham. And whatever price they are on May 9th is the price they will stay for the winter months, no matter what happens with inflation. But the net result is that they've lowered prices on some items to ease the burden on New Zealand consumers. And that is, that is good. We would not have seen that but for this, this market study, in my view. Today we're announcing that we're going further than the Commerce Commission has recommended. We've accepted 12 of the Commission's 14 recommendations and we're taking stronger action on the other two. The government is effectively putting the supermarket sector on notice uh, and the message is clear. Change at pace to increase competition 
and be prepared for regulation. The government has acted reasonably quickly off the back of this market study. Let's do a stock take of what's happened so far in terms of those actions. Right, so on budget night, Minister Clark announced that um, they were immediately introducing legislation to ban the restrictive land covenants. To stop supermarkets from engaging in the anti-competitive land wars where they buy up land or dictate the terms of leases to block their competitors from getting a foothold in the area. Uh, Last week, Minister Clark announced that two main things were happening. Firstly, that a dedicated regulator was being set up within the Commerce Commission to regulate the supermarket sector. And they will maintain a watchful eye over the supermarkets. The Permanent Commissioner will be a referee for the sector, keeping the duopoly honest and proactively blowing the whistle where a problem is suspected. And that will be similar to the model that operates in the telecommunications sector, where there's a telecommunications commissioner within the Commerce Commission and then a team of people under them to help regulate the sector, to do research into the sector. Importantly, that commissioner will have responsibility for doing a yearly review or stock take of how competition is working in the sector. So rather than drifting for 20 years as we have over the last 20 years, not really knowing kind of what the problem was or being able to exactly put our finger on um, what the problem was but having a vague feeling that there was a problem, we'll know every year how the supermarket sector is operating and whether competition is is doing what it should do and producing those good results for consumers and, and suppliers or whether further regulation might be needed. And then the second key um, announcement last week was a supermarket code of conduct. That'll be a code of conduct between major grocery retailers and their suppliers. Historically, there has been an imbalance in the bargaining power major grocery retailers have over their suppliers. The grocery code of conduct will address this by preventing the major retailers from using their power to push costs and risks onto those suppliers. I understand it will be administered by the um, grocery commissioner, but the the primary purpose of that code of conduct is to regulate interactions between supermarkets and their suppliers. And throughout the Commerce Commission's inquiry, and led very ably by um, Catherine Rich at the Food and Grocery Council, we heard some pretty confronting stories from suppliers who had been delisted or um, had had gone through some pretty harrowing contractual negotiations who couldn't really make a, make a profit because of what the, the conditions that the supermarkets were insisting on. It's not just consumers who feel they're being stung. Suppliers are also worried, saying they're scared of retaliation if they speak out. And that was really the first time that that had, that had come to light. There had been rumours for a long time, but many suppliers were afraid to come forward and and, and will still be afraid to come forward. So this code of conduct really sends a signal to existing suppliers and to an extent new entrants wanting to enter the market that this market is fair and will be overseen um, by an independent regulator. How much of a step change will that be for the supermarket sector here? I think you can look at the two main players differently. So Woolworths has been through a similar process in Australia, so should be pretty familiar with what's going on here. It's not not significantly different. And let's let's remember in Australia there was a duopoly, um, various interventions, including a code of conduct, 
were introduced there and um, that led to an increase in the number of players in the market and a more buoyant, more competitive market opening up. So that's a good thing. It'd be great to see that happen here. Foodstuffs, this is, you know, they're a New Zealand company. They've not really faced regulatory pressure like they're facing at the moment before. So I think there's probably two different reactions and two different approaches going on at the various boardrooms of the two companies. You mentioned the Australia and some of those big international brands coming in and actually bringing some competition to that market. How realistic is it that these changes will result in the Audis, the Costco's? We've constantly heard rumours about them trying to get into the market. Does this make it easier for them to do that? Well, remember the, the we're on a we're on a pathway here, so we're, there are there are further measures to come. And I think one of the key measures is the government's indication that if the existing supermarket giants don't open up their wholesale supply to competitors, then there will be regulation to force them to do that. Opening up that wholesale supply, if we go back to those earlier comments around us being a long, thin country, you know, at the far end of the world, and it costing money to get here, well, if you're a, if you're a competing supermarket retailer and not only do you have to set up a retail chain, but you've got to bring all your wholesale and all your distribution with you, you're not going to enter, and that's why we haven't seen any entry over the last 20 years. But if you know that you've got a guaranteed source of wholesale groceries that you can then retail to customers, and you can get them at a fair price that is regulated by a code of conduct that is overseen by an independent regulator, well, it's a much more attractive prospect for you to come in and set up retail, and then over time, once you've established a foothold, Perhaps you'd, you would build your own wholesale supply as you, you know, negotiate relationships with suppliers and things like that. And then suddenly you're an effective third or fourth or optimistically fifth competitor uh, in, in the market. Similarly, if you're a domestic brand looking to expand, but you're having trouble luring suppliers away from their existing contracts with the duopoly, having that, that transparency that regulation will bring and having the certainty that you can access that wholesale supply at a reasonable price could mean that you're willing to um, take the risk and expand, and that would be a risk you wouldn't be willing to take at the moment under existing conditions. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Mark Jennings. Bonnie Harrison is our associate producer. And thanks to John Duffy. Kakite anō. 